0: So Money Episode 767, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host, listener, Adi Adawusi.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers,
0: and from Farnoosh herself. So Money, everyone, August 10th, 2018. We are in the throes of summer, almost the end of summer, depending on how you technically count the end of summer. For us, it's like basically Labor Day, right? The next day, Evan starts phasing in for pre-K-4. So we have... Really no time to bounce back. Um, we gotta kinda make the most of August and I'm happy to say I've had a nice little summer. I, I didn't know what to expect going into the summer, but I've picked up a few hobbies, including stand-up comedy. Why can't I say it? can I call it a hobby if I'm just still a student and I'm still making terrible, terrible jokes? I think so. I mean it's a recreational um delineation from the <laughs> from my life and some of you who've been following me um, very kindly on Instagram know that I'm having a lot of fun experimenting and testing out my jokes on you. And it seems like y'all are really liking Persian mom. Um, so that's my mom who is Persian. And it seems like when you're – out of jokes and you don't know what to make fun of, make fun of your life because there's a lot of content there potentially. And I'm learning more and more that my life is a bag of jokes. And um, thank you all for the support, the show, my graduation show. So this is the big announcement, ready? Right? If you're in the New York tri-state area or if you're really desperate to come see me bomb, um, you can go to the Gotham Comedy Club on August 29th. At 9.30 p.m., two drink minimum, that's my graduation performance, (laughs) my teacher says that sometimes Jerry Seinfeld shows up. And so if he's there... Y'all better not tell me because I will definitely then bomb. But if you are interested in coming and, and seeing us do our best, and I I think by then we'll all have pretty good material. We're, you know, six weeks into our class by then, and our teacher has been really helpful with constructive feedback. So, um, come join me. It'd be nice to see you in person. If you are a, a listener of the show, I actually have discovered that there is a, a classmate in my Manhattan School of Comedy who is a So Money fan, which was basically it made my summer <laughs> to be sitting there and have somebody come up to me and be like, are you furnished Tarabi from the So Money podcast? And um, we've now become friends. And it's so please, if you're around, August 29th, 9.30 PM, Gotham Comedy Club. I think you have to just reserve your uh, ticket so go to the website and and, and book that comedy class um, graduate sorry graduation class slot and hope to see you there and i'll be reminding all of you more and more so if you forgot don't worry keep listening and you'll you'll be you'll hear it again uh, we have a really fun episode today i was um, reaching out to all of you saying, hey, let's – if you want to co-host, like what's holding you back? Just get in touch. And there was one week where I had no co-host because for all sorts of reasons, technical setbacks, um, you know, scheduling issues and also like a lack of – of interested people, apparently, or maybe just too many shy people. But then we had Addie Adewusi, who was on this show in January, co-hosting with me, a listener, volunteered again, the sweet soul that she is, um, did, doing me a solid and all of us a solid because she's amazing. And it's just really great to reconnect with her. And just before I bring her back on, um, to remind you, you know, Addie, we spoke in January. This was episode uh, – Ask Farnoosh episode. I don't even know. It was like January 26th. So if you're interested in hearing her, that was the archived episode. And um, just, you know, she reached out. She was an avid listener. She uh, was uh, in sort of a career transition. And um, fast forward now, August. Addie, welcome back to So Money. Tell us how things have gone for you. Have you been hitting your 2018 goals?
1: Yes. Hi, Farnoosh. It's so good to be back on the show. So much has changed since January. Um, My goals were to save my my emergency fund, which on the episode, because I hadn't told you that I was planning on leaving my job, um, it it seemed like not the best thing to focus on. Um, But I was able to uh, save my $20,000 emergency fund because I'm I just put in my notice for my job yesterday, and I'm going full-on freelance. Um, So that's very exciting and um, definitely hit my goal for the year. And because of you, I also started contributing to my retirement again, because I put it on pause after I was paying off my debt. So um, I've also been doing my retirement contributions as well. And just thank you. Thank you so much for your show, because I've been able to design my life the way I want it. And I get so much encouragement from listening to so many.
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, I mean, I can't take much credit. I mean, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for crediting the the show, inspiring you. But at the end of the day, I mean, you are responsible for the decisions that you make. And um, I'm just – I have to say that I'm so th- thankful and proud of my audience. Like I really think that I have – one of the best audiences out there, and you're coming to a financial podcast. I mean, that says enough, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Like you're interested in self-development, and you're a go-getter, so you are no exception, Addy. It's really great to reconnect with you, and and to hear that you are like on target, and you've made this. You know, you're on your way to make this transition. It's it's something that I think a lot of us listening, maybe we're in this space ourselves, or we're looking f- ahead and thinking we want to make a transition, big transition to being our own boss. And so to hear you talk about it is very inspiring. So thank you for that. Yeah. So let's get to helping out some of our fellow listeners, shall we? Um, starting with starting with an anonymous listener. This person did not want to be identified, left a a message on somoneypodcast.com. He, he or she clicked on Ask Farnoosh. And this is the question. He says, my parents are in their 60s, my dad handles all of the finances. My mom doesn't have a clue. My dad's happy to sit down with her, but my mom says it's not her job in the marriage. Can I just say this is so common, right? In this generation, my mom and I were just having a conversation about this, Addie, that oh, she and her, my dad probably just sit down and like refresh. What is going on with their finances? My mother is not, doesn't have like her head in the sand. Like it sounds like this person's mother does. But, you know, I think every couple, there's always going to be that one person. It's usually the guy in, in, I guess, I would say the older generation that takes on a lot of the financial handling, like paying the bills and investing and kind of big picture stuff. And as a result, can sometimes like take over to a fault. Like, then the other spouse the other partner is in the dark. In this case, interesting, right? Because the the husband is saying I want to involve and engage my wife. She's saying this is not my territory, which I find really disappointing, but it's also very generational. Do you ever have you ever experienced this in your family? In my family,
1: you know, my mom just refuses to talk about money at all. So this this does not surprise me. I think some women just have a fear about it, whether they're married or not. Um, But the good news is that it doesn't seem like – it seems like they're a a happily married couple, and the dad is not hiding anything. And, you know, maybe she's just setting a boundary and just doesn't want to get involved, and it's working for them.
0: I know it's not fun to think about worst-case scenarios, but you really have to go there. And maybe this is where our friend here, our listener, can – be a moderator or a mediator and say, you know, um, mom, dad, it's not about gender normative issues right now. It's really about wanting to take care of the family as a unit. And mom, if you care about our family as a unit, then it is to an extent like your responsibility and your duty to at least have an awareness of how the money gets managed in this household. Because God forbid something happens to dad, then what Right, you. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this. I'm witnessing this right now through a friend, a very close friend whose father passed away, and her mom also is from like a traditional era and was not like money minded. Was not involved in the day to day household finances, and her dad was also more traditional. Like was like, I'll take care of it, and it almost what he wore it like a badge of masculinity. Like I'm going to manage the money. This is my role. It's what the men do. And that's a very dangerous setup, frankly, you know, because now he's deceased and she is emotionally ruined, right? And then now in this fog, she's supposed to somehow like figure out who gets paid and and how to keep the lights on. Well, guess what? Now it's the children that have to sort of scramble together to figure this out because they're the ones that are a little more um, with it and like have are more resourceful and modernized. So anonymous, you know, it's not just your dad's responsibility. It's at this point in your family's stage of life, it's everyone's role as far as all the people that care about your mom and your dad who, are, who will probably play a part in managing the household in the event either your mother or your father are not able to make decisions. Who is the executor? Who who would that family person be that has to step in and and play that role of sort of money manager? If it's not your mom – It might be you. And so someone else needs to get clued in as far as I'm concerned. I'd love for the mom to get clued in. That's got to – I mean, I think that's got to happen. If she doesn't, then somebody else does. And maybe it's this person who wrote in who's obviously in a caring position and is, like, concerned – that's just a matter of playing it safe because life happens and it would be terrible if, this, if her mom or his mom was in a predicament where you know, she's emotionally distraught and then suddenly has to like learn from scratch how the household finances have been taken care of. So any parting advice for her, Addie? Are you concerned at all about your mom's – like, because she's someone who hasn't really talked about money or doesn't like to talk about money – What, what, what is the future here then for her?
1: Um, that's, that's such a issue. Me and my brother talk about it all the time, but we're both scared to have that conversation because we want to know where she's at so we can know how to help her or support her when needed because she's also in her 60s. Um, and we have not figured out how to have that conversation yet. Hmm.
0: Sometimes to break the ice, it does help to y- reference something like, I was listening to a podcast <laughs> or or pulling from other family experiences. Like, remember what happened to Uncle Jack? you know, when he passed away and then Aunt Jane was left completely clueless. That's a great way to put it in context and also make it very real and drive it home. And -hmm. also kind of take it away from, not to have it feel like an affront, but kind of like use that as a starting point, that story, that anecdote, that resource as a jumping off point to talk about really what you want to talk about, which is our finances. Um, Okay, let's move on. Anonymous, let us know if you to follow up on any of this advice if it helps you if you're still worried or not sure how to tackle this very delicate thing i know it's it's very sensitive but we've got your back okay moving on jenny adding do you want to take jenny's question uh sure so jenny
1: asks i've heard in several podcasts that young people should invest in low-cost index funds how do i go about this
0: yeah so I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Addy, if you're investing and how you're investing. We love index funds here in the so money nation from everyone from a certified financial professional to in- investing experts and everyone in between. I mean, index funds are increasingly becoming celebrated as these investment vehicles that offer many benefits. One is obviously low cost why do, why are they low cost? because by nature by virtue of being an index fund, it's indexing a market. It's following a market like usually the us stock market you know you can basically ride. The ups and downs and sideways movements of the market. The idea is that you invest in index fund as a long term investing vehicle strategy. Um, there's no one that's going in and like making specific moves because, um, this is just tracking an index. And for that, you pay. A fraction of the price, as you would say, compared to like a mutual fund that is filled with all sorts of different stocks. And in that case, you, there may be a human being going in and making moves, and then you have to pay a premium for that. But charts show, historical charts show that index funds historically um, do just as well, if not better, than funds that are actively managed. So if index funds are passive, mutual funds, a lot of them are actively managed. So the idea of like passive index funding investing is like kind of the the way to go, especially if you're somebody who's not interested in being an aggressive, like focused investor. Like you've got a lot of things going on in your life. You understand the value of being in the stock market and that's it. And you just want to invest, go with an index fund. I have a lot of index funds in my own portfolio. How do you get invested in an index fund. I mean, every bank pretty much sells them. <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of the brokerages, a lot of the um, robo-advisors that we talk about on this show offer them as well. They're all over the place. And and I would just say, make sure that you're working with a brokerage or a robo-advisor that is reputable, that has SIPC insurance, which is the Securities Investor Protection Corporation insurance is like FDIC insurance, but for brokerages. Um, Addy, do you have any other thoughts on index funds? Yeah, I definitely agree that it's the best way to go
1: for young people that don't know a lot about investing. I I believe in that statement: invest in what you know, and when you don't know anything, it low cost index funds are definitely the way to go, and that's what I'm investing in right now.
0: Cool. All right. So, see, told you. So many nation all about the index funds. Visit simplysafe.com/so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com/so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com/so money. Becky has a question about managing her debt and she's asking us what we feel about transferring a student loan balance to a credit card are there any downsides? She says her payments are buried in interest right now. I mean, this to me is like, at the very basic level, you have to do the math, right? So uh, if you want to save money on interest, well, then you have to make sure that the credit card that you're transferring the student loan balance to has a lower interest rate. That's step one. But the real other step is really figuring out what are your payment habits. So a student loan, has a a term, right? It's like 10 years, 15 years, and every month you pay a fixed amount. And by the end of that term, presumably if you kept up with it, you're out of debt. With credit cards, there's no term. You have to be disciplined, right? To be sure that you're going to pay off the amount that you should pay off, that you need to pay off to be out of debt within a relatively reasonable amount of time. You know, if you... Transfer this debt over to a 0% APR credit card like Chase Slate, sponsor of this show. That could make sense. You get 0% APR for the first 15 months. After that, the interest rate adjusts higher. So just keep that in mind. I always say if you're going to take advantage of a transfer balance card that has a 0% APR for a period of time – try to get out of that debt within that period of time because otherwise the benefit's over more or less. So I would say you have to know yourself, right, Addy? I mean, like if you are someone who is not disciplined, then a credit card could set you back further even if maybe you're getting a little bit lower of an interest. But if you're taking longer to pay it off, then that could be financially adverse to you. Um, so and, – and then, you know, read the fine print. And the other thing is like credit cards weigh more heavily in in man, in factoring your credit score than student loans. So with a credit card, like let's say the credit limit is $20,000 and your student loans are $18,000 and you transfer the balance over to that credit card – then you're almost maxed out on that credit card. And that's going to weigh down your credit score significantly. Like that's not a good thing for credit scores to be almost maxed out of a credit card. So keep in mind, as you're transferring this debt potentially over to a credit card, what is the limit on that credit card? If it's almost close to what your student loan balance is, um, that could be a a big problem for your credit score. So just keep that in mind too. You want to leave at least a little bit of a like a 30 to 50% cushion. Otherwise you're in a zone where credit experts say could really start to impact your score. Are you debt-free Addie, or,
1: or what's going on? In, on your? Yes. Day? I'm totally debt-free as of November last year. So, and I, so I've been through this process and I would just say to Becky, um, I think it would be, So let's say she has, you know, $30,000 in student loans and she hasn't started paying them off yet. It would be really risky for her to put it on, on a credit card, even if it had 0% interest because she, she hasn't been in the practice of paying student loan debt down quickly. So I would suggest like get into a rhythm of your payments where you pay it off in you know, a year or 15 months And then when you've proven to yourself that you can do that, then transfer it to the credit card.
0: Yes. Oh, what a good tip. That is a really thoughtful tip. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right. So this is our next question is an audio recording from Evie. And um, I love real estate questions. And this one has, fortunately, something to do with real estate. So Evie will take it away now. Hi, Farnoosh.
1: I'm 23 and I recently purchased my first condo. I just switched jobs and now my commute is pretty terrible. I'm considering renting out my condo for a little over my monthly mortgage payments so that I can move closer to my new job. So My question for you is, would it be a bad decision to pay rent at an apartment closer to my new job while making a bit of profit off my own condo? I've always been told renting is just throwing your money away, but is it different if I've already invested in a condo? Thanks for your next-
0: I mean, congrats to Evie for purchasing a condo at the ripe age of 23. That's a that's a really awesome, so money feat, assuming she can afford it. And it sounds like she can. But unfortunately, Addie, she's now changing jobs and her commute's killing her. So she needs a better place to live, a more convenient place to live. And so she's kind of wondering if she's making a silly move by renting now again after purchasing. But... I mean, if she's gonna make money off the rental of her condo and maybe she could use that rental money to, you know, invest or pay off the mortgage faster, or maybe use that to help her budget for a a nicer place to live or closer place to live to work, then I don't see a problem with that. Like I don't think that is like a step backwards. Like I wanna say something that may be controversial, but renting is not throwing money down the drain, okay? It's just not. Um, I know that's something that our parents told us and something that still people say today. But at the end of the day, like how you choose to design your life, where you live, how you live whether you own or you rent. I mean, it comes down to so many factors. Like no one's like, I want to rent because I want to waste money. No, people rent because they want flexibility. In this case, she wants to be close to her job, which is going to save her time, which is going to be – by the way, time's a huge asset. So she's gaining back time. Um, She's going to have more mobility. And who's to say later if she wants to buy – she won't be able to. She very well could. And but, P.S. She already bought a place that is now going to be cash flow positive for her. So, Evie, I say do what you need to do to make your life easier and better. We talk about it on the show all the time. People say, "I ask them, well, what do you spend your money on that makes your life easier or better?" No one has yet to say rent, <laughs> but it would make sense because if you are renting a place that's allowing you to, you know, be close to your job which means you can be more focused at work. When you're at work, you don't have to be stressing about the commute. You can get home faster. You then will recoup that time to be able to reinvest it into something more meaningful in your life. That's awesome. And if that's what your rent is affording you, that's great. Versus, you know, you buy another place It may not be able to be giving you proximity to your job and then you got to take on more maintenance costs and real estate taxes and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you got to do the math, but sometimes earning back time is a lot to be thankful for. And I'm I'm learning this now more and more as I get older. Like my time is very precious and um, especially for women. I will say because we do a lot. We take on a lot of tasks. We're working. We're at the forefront of our careers, our families, our kids, and our friendships, and a lot falls on our plate. So if we can cut down our commutes, I think that's a win. What do you think, Evie? Is she? Do you think she's in some ways like step taking a step backwards by going back into the rental market? Definitely not.
1: I'm a huge fan of renting, um, especially you know being in your 20s and you know, your job might change, your career goals might change. um, You may want to move. It doesn't make sense um, to own unless it's for, you know, it's something you can rent out. And so I think she just happened to set things up where she's in a great situation. She owns a property that she can rent. And because it's a new job, she's going to rent to be closer and not, you know, commit to a purchase because who knows, how you know she's gonna like her job. Maybe she wants something different down the yeah. road.
0: I mean, I think in some ways she made a brilliant move to buy this condo that can be turned into now a rental property where she's cash flow positive. Cause imagine if she bought this property, like you said, and like then oh my gosh, my commute is so much longer now than I thought, because I changed jobs, and you're stuck in this apartment in this condo, that you're starting to resent, you know, this purchase. And now it's just, it can add a lot of unwanted um, stress. Exactly. And um, that's why I say like, don't jump into homeownership. This homeownership. Not only do the finances have to stack up, make sense, but emotionally, psychologically, and lifestyle-wise, it has to make sense for you. And that's as important, if not more important, than the the financial reality of it. So Evie, you have my blessing. Go rent something fun and local and near your job. And congrats on, again, purchasing that condo. You're way ahead of the curve. Okay, finally, Lindsay on Instagram – Thank you for for hitting me up on Instagram, Lindsay. I'm trying to grow my audience there. I'm a little behind because when I first started my Instagram account, I was private because I was like, I don't know about this Instagram. I'm tired of like everybody seeing my business on social media. This is a way for my family to just kind of like see what I'm up to. And then I was st- – I was obviously wrong about that. Instagram took off and now all the brand partners and your audience is like dying for your you know, latest and greatest on Instagram. So I get it. I'm back on. It's public. And I'm trying to make it pretty and I'm trying to make it engaging. And I'm, as a result, like really opening up to you guys on Instagram more than I ever thought I would share and really loving your engagement. I'm offering you answers to your questions on the go. I've been, as some of you know, You ask me a question and I send back a video, a personal video, because I find it's easier to just mouth off my advice to you than to sit there and try to type and stop in my tracks and try to type um, onto a little screen. So uh, if you send me a question, you might get a nice surprise of my big face in your inbox sending you some thoughts. But Lindsay writes, hey, Farnoosh, all of my personal information was stolen. Oh, her social security, her address, her birth date. But she says, thanks to being a longtime listener of yours, I am debt free and I have an amazing credit score. Someone, however, opened a home equity loan on my home and purchased $65,000 in windows. I've already contacted the lender and submitted a dispute. What do I do? Should I freeze my credit? How do you do that? Um, What else can I do to protect myself? Thank you so much. Okay. So this sucks. Uh, Lindsay, I'm really sorry this happened to you. And it's great that you did the first step, which is to immediately contact your lender. And I guess in this case, it sounds like she discovered this. Unfortunately, that's how a lot of times you discover fraud. It's like you're just checking your balance or you're checking your statement. You're like, I didn't purchase that or I didn't take out that credit card. So really good job, Lindsay, for being vigilant and proactive. And dis- and it sounds like discovering this first on your own. I mean, a lot of banks are now really great at calling you. Just the other day, my bank called and was like, somebody tried to charge your card at Walmart. Was it you? No, okay, so we're reissuing your, your, your card. I had no idea somebody had tried to do this. So um, props to banks too for being really on top of it. But sometimes it's why it's important for us to really constantly be checking our transactions and our credit reports. You can go to annualcreditreport.com. Every single year you can download your credit report from each of the three major credit reporting agencies, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, for free. It's your It's your gift from the government um, because it's important. You got to check your credit. So, Lindsay, I would say next step is, yeah, I think you need to freeze your credit, unfortunately, because you mentioned, you know, you had all this private information stolen. The way you issue a a credit freeze, you can do it by working with any one of the major credit reporting agencies that I just mentioned, like Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, and, um basically they lock your account. So not even you can apply for credit until you undo this freeze. You know, I think it's important because this is a really sensitive time. Assuming your private information was stolen recently, right now is a good time to immediately like just shut it down um, so that you can kind of, you know, work on figuring out who did it or more importantly, like how to recoup your credit and rebuild your credit. Keep a state like a, a paper trail of everyone you communicate with so if you talked to someone at your bank about this weird home equity loan that was taken out on your name make sure you have all of the communication written down the name of the person you spoke with their phone number their employee ID whatever like so that you just know how to follow up in in case things start to move slowly you can also dispute this obviously with the credit bureaus and you can go to, again, any one of those credit reporting agencies and file a dispute. In addition to filing a dispute with your bank, you should also do it with the credit reporting agencies. They need to know that this is not you. And I believe your bank will work with them as well, but you just need to kind of cover all of your bases. Don't ever assume that someone's going to do the work for you. Talk to your bank talk to the credit reporting agencies, issue the credit freeze for now. And then maybe after six months, lift the freeze, but keep a close eye even then on your credit report. Because what happens is a lot of time fraudsters will wait before they attack. They get your information, they scare you in thinking that, oh my gosh, something is going to happen in the next week. They don't do it right away. They, they wait until you've like forgotten or your guard is down. So in a year and six months, like just constantly be checking. And that's why the freeze is good. That's why maybe you should also sign up for ongoing credit monitoring. Um, you can do that and it's a, Little bit of a cost, but it might be worth it in this case. Other good news here, too, Addie, is that it was her, it was like this loan that was taken out, not necessarily someone going into like her checking account or her using a debit card and sucking her dry, right? So this is credit, which is basically like money that doesn't really exist. Um, So it doesn't really impact you financially, although it could appear on your credit and that's something that you can repair over time. But have you ever had your identity stolen or your wallet stolen Addie? Yeah,
1: I definitely have. And I'm so shocked that no one stole my identity. I lost a wallet that had my birth certificate and my social security card in it. <sighs> um, and I just got really lucky and that's, you know, I just monitored my credit and hope that nothing shows up, but it's really scary
0: I've talked about it here on the show a couple times and I've written about it but like my wallet was stolen right out of my stroller. I I'm trying to like think back as to like who did it, how it happened, but um you know, I was in an elevator with my son and my, this is my fault. My wallet was in the pouch of the stroller. It wasn't in my purse. It was kind of, and it was probably visible to some extent. And these two women kind of surrounded me in an elevator. One was complimenting my son's outfit or something. Like she was like, Oh, I love his shoes. And I think distracting me while Mm -hmm. the woman to my left grabbed the wallet I was only in the department store for five or 10 minutes. I just went to this one floor to check something out, then left. And as I left and then went to another store to go pay for something, that's when I realized my wallet was missing. And then I went home, immediately checked my credit cards, statements, and they'd already started to make transactions. That's my story. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Happy Friday. Happy. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Addie, thank you so much for volunteering and raising your hand again to come join me. And congratulations on your progress. Um, maybe we'll come back in six months and see what else is going on, huh? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much. And everybody, hope your weekend is so money.